Hello everybody and welcome to the Cinema Catch-Up Club, the podcast of films that you probably should have seen by now. I'm your host, Dr. Stephen Platt. Thank you very much for downloading this week's episode. And this week, it's an in-memoriam episode. We are marking the passing of the legendary Stephen Sondheim. Who, you ask? Well... You're going to find out, uh, but you probably already know who he is. Um, and we're going to look at one of the films that was based off one of his uh, stage works. There was quite a lot to choose from, but in the end, after consulting an expert, we have gone with Sweeney Todd, the Demon Barber of Fleet Street. And joining me as always, we have someone who has seen the film and someone who has not. I guess who has not seen the film. It's Simon Haynes. Sadly, not a doctor. No, no, but uh, also uh, very much alive. Yes. Uh, so able to join us and <laughs> talk about um, this film that you've not seen. And now, yeah. now for the folks at home who don't see how we do this, we we ask people with an online poll who are regular guests. Uh, oh yeah, what what have you seen? What have you not seen? And Simon. <laughs> Of all of our multitude of regular guests, which is above 40 people at this point, you are the only person that has not seen Sweeney Todd. So I want to know, what was happening with you in 2007? How have you not seen this film? Uh, okay. Two things I should probably mention. We should go to say a lot. Not a fan of musicals. Okay. Not really a fan of Tim Burton. Ah, uh, okay. I used to be. And then I saw Planet of the Apes and I realised, oh yeah, he's not that great a filmmaker. Mm. Um, okay, that's a bit of a lie. I've seen a few of his movies. I loved his earlier stuff and I was just like, not really into it. And then just like, oh yeah, maybe we should watch this and then never did. Mm. And, oh, third thing, I'm not a fan of Johnny Depp. Yeah, so this is a real trifecta of reasons you wouldn't watch this film. Yeah. Okay. Uh, what do you know about this particular film? Uh, I know it was in the uh, spectacular multi-award winning movie Jersey Girl really? like, by Kevin Smith. Oh, okay. <laughs> yes, that was a bit of a joke. Okay. Uh, no, so I know nothing about this. You know nothing about it? No. Okay, well... I, I know it's about a demon barber at Fleet Street. Mm-hmm. It's got Helen Barn and Cot- Helen, that, that one. And just say three words together. Yeah. yeah. It's, it's like Benedict Cumberbatch. Airbrush barbecue, yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. carton of milk. Yeah. And Johnny Depp, that's the only thing I know about it. Okay. Well, uh, joining us as someone who has seen this film, it is Dr. Sarah Curtis. Hello, Sarah. Hello, Stephen. How are you doing? Oh, I'm doing quite well. How are you? Excellent. Um, what can you tell us in a vague, non-spoilery way about Sweeney Todd? Um, okay, uh, non-spoilers. So the cast of Harry Potter <laughs> all get together to have a sing about revenge. And what happens next? Well, that's the play, and he wouldn't want us to give us away. <laughs> Excellent. Not Sweeney Todd. Ooh, that's yes. The, that's the clickbait title right there for you. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, Sarah, uh, the reason we have you on here is because uh, Stephen Sondheim uh, is uh, someone that was pretty significant uh, to you just in general, but also for your research, uh, for your doctorate. That's right. So for those of you playing at home who don't know at the, this point, which I'm sure you do, mm. um, my PhD was in the lyric of musical theatre. Um, my honours thesis was on Stephen Sondheim. I looked it into the woods um, and then he had quite an impact on my PhD as well. And, you know, as sort of the, the god of musical theatre, as he was known, mm. um, obviously I'm quite familiar with his work. Mm. Now, you are the expert I consulted when yes, I said I <laughs> uh, which of his film or which of the filmic adaptations of his work should we do? Because, I mean, there was... The original West Side Story is one that he's connected with that we could have done Into the Woods, as you say. So what about Sweeney Todd specifically um, 
makes you feel it's maybe the most appropriate for this sort of episode? There were quite a few reasons. Um, so one, a lot of the film's adaptations done of his work aren't particularly good. Uh, two, um, he actually quite liked this version, um, this film, mm-hmm. um, which is quite useful. Um, yeah, also, um, as you say, films like West Side Story, he was only the lyricist and he that was sort of his first gig. Um, and he really wanted to be known as a composer lyricist. Right. Um, so it felt that, you know, let's go for something that was more what he wanted to be. And also, funnily enough, Sweeney Todd is the most accessible of his works. Okay. Um, even though it is quite a strange film, if you look at his other stuff and his other shows they're a lot stranger hmm. um like sunday so, in the park with george yeah you know yeah. let's have a painting basically come to life to serenade the artist mm-hmm. you know let's have um a, a group of couples in new york sing about marriage um you know i'm looking sort of behind me let's have um you know the the fairy tale characters what happens after happily ever after it's always very you know interesting and different and not what you would expect excellent um simon any more infused now about this film before we launch into it i kind of want to hear one about the fairy tales more than (laughs) well unfortunately that is not what we're doing so uh are you guys ready to watch sweeney todd yeah the demon barbara fleet street Correct. Okay, for those of you who are listening at home, uh, pop in those DVDs, load up those streaming services, and try Pirelli's Miracle Elixir. It'll do the trick, sir. True, sir, true. As we watch Sweeney Todd, the Demon Barber of Fleet Street. (laughs) You're going to, I think this is really up your (laughs) alley. Welcome back, everybody. We have just finished watching Sweeney Todd, the Demon Barber of Fleet Street, and I'm joined once again by Dr. Sarah Curtis. Hello. And Simon Haynes. Hello. Simon, that was your first time watching Sweeney Todd. Yeah. What did you think? Um, I'm sorry, I didn't like that. You didn't like it? <laughs> no. Okay. Um, okay. First two thirds of the film? No, that was painful. <laughs> Really okay. This was a movie. If I turned off the TV and listened to the speakers, it'd probably be amazing. Okay, it sounds really good. But there is a cinematograph, cinematography. Uh, there's a tonal dissonance between the cinematography and the songs and the music and everything like that. Mm. I, I get what Burton was trying to do here. It's essentially a moving daguerreotype. Mm. It's got this crushed palette, this greys and these blues and all this other stuff. And it's just painful to watch because these songs are really good. They've got a tone that's pretty up there. And I'm looking at the screen and all I'm seeing is misery. And these people are like... And there's a moment in the beginning where um, Baker is talking about all I see is shadows. And then you pans to London and it's so dark. It's like, yes, you're talking metaphorically. But I'm seeing literal shadows everywhere. Yeah. There was a big old shadow on his face as, and, and as he's saying oh, that. Yeah. And, and the flashback... No, the flashback. Johnny Depp looked older. Because <laughs> they didn't have as much damn makeup on him. He looked older in the flashbacks. It was supposed to be 50... No, I'm sorry. Uh, people back then looked older, though. You know, it was the <sighs> 1800s. Oh. So, so... I, I the mean, last I, third was pretty damn good. 
I am curious though, based on what you're saying though, is you are you liked the music. I did like the music. Yeah. I'm not a musical guy. Uh I thought the music was really good when I could properly hear it, but it, I'm just there watching this movie going why did they hire Tim Burton for this? Mm. It makes no sense. I could see Tim Burton doing this story. Mm. It really would fit in his wheelhouse. But as a musical, no, not no, no. this did not work. Okay. I, I, I'm really kind of curious because for me, um, I, I, I watched this a few times when it was first out. Um, my sister was a big fan of it. She quite likes the Tim Burton thing, you know, the whole aesthetic of things like yeah. uh, Corpse Bride and Nightmare Before Christmas. More of his yeah. animated stuff, I guess, than, than his... Um, Which he didn't direct. True. But, you know, he was he was there drawing spirals on things. <laughs> uh, but, um, yeah, I, I find it quite interesting because I quite like the use of visuals in this. Or, like, the mm. idea of, of just really creating this, like, oppressive, grimy thing because I think it matches the meaning of what's being discussed and yeah. sung about. But, yeah, it's... It's just really fascinating. Sarah, as the uh, person who has seen this before... <laughs> the person who's going to tell me I'm completely wrong, go ahead. But, but how was it re- for you revisiting this film? I think I enjoyed it more this time than I did last time. Okay. Uh, it's interesting because last week I rewatched the concert version, mm. um, which definitely had a lot more energy to it. And that's the thing mm. that sort of fell flat for me with this film is the energy. They're singing upbeat songs and then slowly moving around a room when they needed to yeah. have more frenetic energy to be more appropriate. The colours I was fine with. Mm. I, I quite liked that. Yeah, I could see this being a great stage musical, but I'm watching this movie going, this is the wrong tone. Mm. Interesting. Flat out. Yeah, and I think some of it is because, you know, musicals, they are theatrical. Mm. And when you try to do them on film, you have to capture that theatricality. Otherwise, mm. the energy is going to be an issue. This was an issue with Les Mis. This was an issue... They sort of fixed it a little bit in Into the Woods, but that had other issues. Mm. Um, you know, when you think of, of musicals that work on film, you think of stuff like Mamma Mia, which has that energy, that mm. punch the entire way through. It's mm. bright, it's fun, it's um, it's leaning into the, the theatricality mm. of it. You know, you think musical theatre, you think... Phantom of the Opera with the chandelier. Mm. It's it's big, it's punchy. And then when you do something that's quite muted, you have to make sure that you still have energy. So mm. even though the muted tone and palette works for me, um, the, the acting itself uh, wasn't um, as good because there's only so many times you can have Johnny Depp death stare mm. into the distance yeah. and be interesting. Yeah, and that stopped being interesting within about the first two minutes. It was just it felt just like repeated shots because there's no tonal distance between a huge chunk of this film except when we go to Alan Rickman, the judges' residence, and all of a sudden all mm. the flashbacks and we get a no tonal palette, and there's such fleeting moments, and it's just that thing of like contrast is good you know you need tonal adjustments but when you've just got nine no, okay say 70 percent of this movie with the same color palette the same tonal range the same shots the same slow movies except for you know the um evil dead cam shot right at the beginning as it was speeding mm. through london which that made me cackle at how dumb that was yeah it, it felt droning it was just like oh, just get on with it and yeah yeah. Well, we, when it finally amped up, I was like, okay, I'm really enjoying this now because there's kinetic energy and it's really enjoyable. But that first two acts was just like, 
Wow. So not a fan of, no. of it in general. I mean, the story is... Um, the story's good. The story is pretty good, but of course, you know, it's from the stage show. Uh, and it is... Uh, it, it, it is about this uh, barber, uh, Sweeney Todd, <laughs> who's just come back from Australia, and it warped him <laughs> so badly that he's decided to murder everyone in London. How Sending could... everyone else down under. Yeah. As someone who used to come from England to come to Australia, I don't know how he could be that pale. <clears throat> That's true, actually, yeah, yeah. He, he obviously spent a long time just in the boat on the way back. <laughs> just the horrors. <laughs> yeah. He, he slip slops lapped. I think that's what we yeah. can tell. Well, no hat, no play. He obviously had a hat. <laughs> that's true, yeah. And lost it on the voyage back. But yeah, Sweeney Todd returns from uh, his his 15-year exile. Why was he exiled? Because he had a hot wife. Uh, yeah. Yeah. I, I think it's really interesting that the story for this is quite simple, but mm. they do a lot with those character relationships. So mm. it's this judge, uh, Judge Turpin, really fancied... Uh, Benjamin Barker's wife and went I'm a judge I'll just get rid of Benjamin Barker and then um, obviously Ben comes back 15 years Mm. later he's now Sweeney Todd he doesn't know what's happened to his wife or his young child Um, and the way that they are integrated into the story and the judge Mm. all those interrelations even though I knew what was coming up with each thing still really worked for me there was a real satisfaction Mm. in watching these little moments when you click who is who and how they're connected and you know like uh you know anthony the horny sailor boy who he came back with <laughs> is just like i'm gonna fall in love with the first pretty plot relevant character i meet and but oh. but even though it's it's a little bit loose in that sense it's almost not important mm. to what this story is um and there's a lot that i found myself forgiving a lot of sort of um expositional sort of glossings that I maybe wouldn't have in other films. And I think it's because I was really enjoying the way that it was written. Mm. Um, and also, Sarah, it's not really what Sweeney Todd's about. It's about feelings. <laughs> <laughs> At least that's my reading of it. It's about meat pies, don't yeah. you know? Yeah, it's about, but it is about vengeance and, and um, what, yeah, what and that Yeah, and that's, that's one of the great things about musicals is, you know, when you can't talk about something, you sing about it. And mm. when you can't sing about it, you dance about it. Now, obviously we don't dance in this one. Mm. Um, although if they'd done a bit more movement in some of the bigger songs, it would have helped, I think. Mm. Um, but, you know, they, they do sort of bring out those emotions. And, you know, some of the songs are quite beautiful. Mm. When you mm. think about this show and how dark it is and then you have you know joanna mm. um and you have all you know the songs about you know, pretty women um and you know when you sort of realize it's obviously written by a gay man um when you sort of see the way that women are treated in in, in this sort of story mm. i must admit my favorite song was the one where it's uh the two of them basically plotting out their menu based on the people on the street and that mm. was that's that's definitely the best that's song so of the good show. yeah and that's so good it is interesting that there are all of these uh quite funny moments but i, I do think mm. this film does a lot to pull the joy out of it in some respects and i i th- I, I don't think it's deliberate where they're going no it has to be serious i think it's more because they've set this very dark tone and because mm. it's you know uh, Tim Burton film. Tim Burton films have this sort of dark but sheen. Tim Burton does dark humor. Yeah, but that's just why it. is there none of that in this? This is the same guy that did, you know, um, it did Pee Wee's yeah. Big Adventure, or he's done he, even like his Batman movies got a bit of a even Edward comic. Scissorhands, yeah. who is a remarkably similar character that Johnny Depp has yeah. played to Sweeney Todd. But like, there's there's some really lovely dark humorous moments in there. Mm. Even Sleepy Hollow, which yeah. is like predominantly a horror film is quite funny i do like speaking of horror i do like how the end of this movie is essentially it turns into a hammer horror film like even the blood has that 
rich, bright hammer horror red. And I know person loves that type of stuff. So that was great. It's almost like there's no personality in this movie up until like the yeah the uh, third act, as it were, and that's when it starts to really ramp up. Mm. I'm just talking about cinematography. As it, the actors did a great job in all this. I think it's a tight story. It's just, yeah. Yeah, and the cast is interesting. As you said at the beginning, Sarah, it is just all the, <laughs> the baddies from Harry Potter hanging out. We just needed Ray Fiennes to be like a whistling street sweeper and we'd have been set. Uh, but it was, <laughs> it, it is a really interesting cast. Johnny Depp as the lead in a Tim Burton film is not the most shocking thing that you're going to hear. But I don't think he's terribly miscast in this film. Yeah. Um Obviously, with it being a, a musical, you would prefer to have someone who is more noted for, say, singing than for acting. Well, didn't he... Wasn't he in a band at one point? Yeah, oh, the thing is, is Johnny, Johnny Depp has done singing, and, like, he did musical yeah. auditions... Well, he was in Into the Woods as well. ...for this, yeah. So he can sing. And in this, he holds a tune, okay? Like, I wasn't... I, no, actually, nobody in this film made me go, oh, they, they, they shouldn't be in this film. I was curious about who was dubbed... Okay, everyone's dubbed, but who was singing their own stuff and who wasn't, because... I believe everyone is singing their own stuff. Because it, it's, it sounded... Yeah. I'm not an expert. It sounded fine to me. Mm. It just the problem, of course, was pitch because you know they they'd be talking like this, and it's just like, mm. uh, yeah, again, tonal dissonance. Mm. Well, yeah, the the voices. It's quite interesting because again, I was you know listening to uh, the concert last week with you know Patty Lapone and George Hearn, uh, and they're very different voices, mm. and they're very much you know classic Broadway. And then you have you know Helena Bonham Carter, who yeah. is kind of like the opposite vocal style of Patty Lapone they're playing the same character so every time she did the wispy sort of thing i was like but that's not a wispy note like that should have power <laughs> behind it um but you know you've got to work towards the strengths of your actors and if you're yeah. casting someone who is more of an actor than a singer an actor who can sing rather than a singer who can act then i was dreading hearing rickman sing and i didn't mind it's it nice it's yeah. it suited the I mean, tone and the character yeah, he has a nice speaking voice and i like that again they didn't stray too far from that yeah. it was very much still in this sort of range. Yeah. And then it was just pretty women. Like it yeah. was They but, they cut mm. the his the big songs, the mm. the more difficult songs. Yeah. But it also made sense because they're a lot darker. Like he, they the judge has a song that is quite horrible. Mm. Um and it made sense tonally he, to cut he's it from He's trying this film. to wed his adopted daughter and we see him sentence a child to be hung how much worse could yeah, this song so that's be when, that's that's the, the placement is okay. that when he was get killing that child um was basically when he was supposed to sing creepy things and okay. it's like i i prefer what they did in the film okay. uh, to what they could have done with that song okay but, know, that, a bit a little bit of that dark humor was perfect at that point but i feel as though the dark humor we also got really well integrated through this was with timothy spall yeah as um as beetle was just he's so great i just love i just love watching him pull his stupid faces and his his little movements and the little cane that he kept extending it's just that cane he's 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 a perfect victorian era villain he plays a good um mini into the big boss yeah and yeah i know we're going harry potter but i'm thinking of other things of timothy spall and like he's He's done those things where he's always played a Weasley character. And the funny thing is, he's so good at it. Mm. Oh, yeah, he's exactly who you get. Um, what do we think of um, Helena Bonham Carter in, in her role as Mrs. Lovett? Mm. I enjoyed it. Yeah, I think she was quite good. Um, I enjoyed her more in this than I did her role in Les Mis. Because mm. I did not like her in Les Mis. Okay. 
I've not seen that again. Not musical, but um, yeah. I've not heard great things about Lamies, and I just don't want to really hear Russell Crowe sing. That's fair. I mean, I, I'm curious, Sarah, as someone who has watched obviously a few musicals like this, where where does Sweeney Todd sort of sit in the sort of overall adaptation? I guess film adaptation. Yeah, so, of so film filmic musicals. filmic adaptations. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I think it actually rates quite high, mostly because it's hard to adapt musicals to film. They mm. often do it wrong. Mm. Like uh, in the last couple of weeks, I've watched a lot of the more recent adaptations. Uh, I watched Tick, Tick, Boom, which was excellent. Uh, in the Heights came out earlier in the year. Excellent. But then I watched Everyone's Talking About Jamie and kind of went, meh. Um, you know, you have things like Grease, which is a downright awful everything. Um, oh, I'm going to disagree with you there. Oh, it's it's the worst. You know, you it's have the time, Annie. it's the place, and it's the word, Sarah. Yeah, Grease is the sure. worst, is the worst, is the worst. Thank you. <laughs> um, you know, Annie, which Annie Live was, you know, what, two days ago. Mm. Um, so it's overdone and redone. And, you know, you have musicals like Nine, which was terrible. Um, so... You've listed off more movies I've never even heard of. That yeah, possible. I'm here for your for your musical theatre <laughs> trivia. So would, would you say it's better than Les Mis then? Yes. As an adaptation? Yes. Okay. Yeah, cool. Les Mis, they had some good visuals. For Les Mis. That's all I can say about Les Mis, yeah. <laughs> okay. I must admit, I would rather watch Sweeney Todd again than ever watch Cats for the, the rest <laughs> of my entire life. Funnily yeah. enough, I haven't watched the film of Cats yet. Okay. Well, <sighs> I'm going to have to be very drunk. It'll, it, I'm sure it will come up at some point in our. <laughs> I was going to recently. We yeah. were going to do a um, terrible musicals um, trilogy. Oh. Um, we only got through the first one because <laughs> watching Diana was enough. Uh, that sort of yeah set me back a while. Yeah. I'm sorry, Diana. Based on. Yes. Holy shit. And yes, it's as bad as you think. I don't know if we're swearing on this. This is a mature movie, but holy crap. Would you like a thriller in Manila, but with Diana and Camilla? Would you like to hear about a pretty, pretty girl in a pretty, pretty dress? I could go on. I want to see this now. No, you don't. This is going to be bad. We digress. We have digressed. (laughs) I'm going to bring us back from the Diana musical, which I knew we'd get to eventually. (laughs) Uh, But okay, so yeah, Sweeney Todd. Um, It's one of the things that I did quite like about this adaptation and, and rewatching it um, sort of kind of affirmed that for me is I feel as though they, they kept a really strong pace because this mm. is, this film is less than two hours. Uh, it's close, but it's less than two hours. And while I, I do agree a little bit with what you said at the, at the start, Simon, that the beginning of this film isn't super. And it, it, it is setting things up. Mm. And I know it's a musical and we do luxuriate in these things, but I think that we stuck a little bit too long with how Sweeney mm. Todd was feeling. Yeah. For ju- just a smidge too long. Yeah. And once they have the idea of, well, we've got this body of Signor Pirelli, what do we do? We could eat him. <laughs> uh, Logical. Yeah. Th- th- I guess we're getting to the meat of the story. Well, th- exactly. But um, Tish, indeed. Uh, we, when we do get to the meat of the story, it it is really enjoyable. But that pace... Uh, builds really nicely mm. and oh, oh, it almost crescendos too soon I was expecting yeah. <laughs> I was expecting one more scene mm. and, and there wasn't one at yeah. the end well, there is an explanation for that okay. um, so as I was we had a brief chat while we were watching it so one of the main differences um, and this, this choice that they made with the film was to cut the ensemble mm. so in the stage production there is a large ensemble of singers and performers who 
narrate what's yeah. going on. So when you have that beautiful orchestral stuff at the beginning and at the end, mm. um, you know, that has words to it. And it's it's my favorite piece of music in is, the entire is thing. Is this the bit where they go and so they tell the tale of Sweeney Todd? Yeah. That bit? Okay. It's funny how Hollywood tries to erase like those classical things of theater and like the ensemble and the, you know, the... Um, Oh God, I'm trying to think of it. Like, but yeah, but like the, the narrator's voice and all those mm. type of things, the mm. external, the non-didactic uh, stuff in movies mm. and musicals. Even though musicals, by their very nature, are very weird, and you know, he had a, that dream sequence. I went, hang on, why is his cloth? Why does this um, sleeve no longer have blood on it? Because it's literally a jump cut to him in the building to outside, and you went, oh, it's a dream sequence. I went, well, cinematically, that does not track mm. until literally the point of the end of the dream sequence, and it's. Yeah, because yeah. on stage you just change a light. Yeah. Um, but yeah, um, I I think it quite interesting that they cut the ensemble, mm-hmm. um, you know, this chorus. Uh, I think it was the right choice, despite it all there being my favorite songs being cut. <laughs> um, I agree with it pacing wise, because, you know, you'd have that entire intro song of this is the dude, he's going to shit up um are you ready for this and then like partway through you know they sing about you know wanting more more hot pies um so in in that scene where um little toby and um, mrs lovett were serving um Mm. meat pies it felt like there was something missing because the entire ensemble was missing like it was them doing there were there were three parts to a four-part song um so that that would work a lot better if you actually get the audience reaction because it's a lot of something like We've got these world famous pies, and it's just like even people going, "Oh, yum! This tastes good." It reminds yeah. me of my auntie or whatever yeah. they're singing. Yeah, yeah. and yeah, you know, it's it's a quite a big song, and then again, right at the end, they have um, the entire ensemble come back in and sing um, while all the dead bodies are strewn over the stage. <laughs> of this was, you know, tell the tale of Sweeney Todd. You know, this stuff happened. It was super bloody, and you know, have you learnt your lesson yet? Blood, mayhem, death, ah! oh, uh, and that's the end of the show. That'd be cool. Yeah, so it's it's big and it, it mm. leans into the theatricality and mm. yeah, for the film, I can see why they cut it. Mm. Mm. Uh, we haven't discussed Sasha Baron Cohen yet as uh, Senor Pirelli, um, or is he? He is not. It's revealed yeah. that Senor Pirelli is in fact um, in, in really a con man named David who uh, <laughs> just puts on this Pirelli character to be uh, the, the flashy barber in London. Um, that was pretty good. Yeah, I. I really enjoyed it because when i first watched this film not knowing the story years ago i was like it felt a little stunt casty to me to have sasha baron cohen just turn up as this character but then when it's revealed oh no it's actually this duplicitous character it's like okay now then he's perfect he's really good for that he mm. or he's perfect for that because he's um well his he, entire he does the big career insight. is based on him playing a character that's misleading people. yeah like he's that's his gimmick in mm. itself itself. I play a stupid character and I try and fall I don't like Sasha Barring. I really don't like that guy at all. But So don't watch Lame then. <sighs> but I did like him in this. I think he was real suited for the role. The theatrical that's probably the stuff I like about the guy is like the theatrical nature of him and the mm. over the top and it works well for this. Excellent. Um Sarah, as someone who has seen multiple versions of this show, <laughs> how did how did old uh, Sasha do? He was quite good. Um usually I don't like him. Um, anytime I see that he's mm. in a film, I'm like, oh, I guess I'm not watching that. Yeah, um, me too. Okay, Sasha, if you're listening, because you are a Perth local these days, um, I'm so sorry. <laughs> I think you're great. I'm just gonna is he uh, legit? Is he really? He's, he lives in WA oh, now. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. I think I, he look. He's quite good at what he does, but what he does is not my style yeah. of mm. entertainment. Yeah. Um, yeah. 
But, you know, in this case, again, he did what he's good at and it worked and I enjoyed it. So Yeah, no, I, I thought it was a, a really good bit of casting there. And, and, and I, I do agree that I feel that the cast largely works very well. Not enough Anthony Head for me. No. <laughs> we needed much more of him. Yeah, just that, no. I, know, I know it was a, a cut was, down role originally. He it was did a blink and you miss cameo, which is a shame. Yeah, but... Yeah. I always love seeing Anthony Head and things. Yeah. So, well, yeah. he needed to sing. Um, the, the story concludes with uh, basically everyone dying. <laughs> um, we, we, we get a bunch of murders starting to happen. So uh, Timothy Spall gets gets his neck cut uh, mm-hmm. when he comes to investigate the, the awful smell that's coming from the chimneys. <laughs> uh, that's when Toby discovers, oh, they're eating people. Mm. Uh, he He's down in the basement. He's been locked in because he's been having suspicions about, about Todd. Um, and then, yeah, murder after murder. You know, mm. the, the old woman gets cut oh, by yeah. Sweeney because what are you doing in my barbershop? Then the judge turns up and he gets viciously stabbed by the blunt bit of a razor before getting you his needed throat the blood cut. to artfully go over his face yeah. <laughs> yeah and then and then oh god who got murdered next i can't even yeah. keep up it was what well, was mrs lovett then mm-hmm. yeah love she it. gets thrown in <laughs> that was a great murder. it's it's still visually very striking yeah all these years later yeah it had just that right amount of camp uh Again, for the, it fit that tone for that moment, and it's one of the few times he shows emotion. Mm. Yeah, because he goes from his "everything oh. sucks, I am bland" face emotion mm. to "I'm gonna quickly change so I can trick you, so I can throw you into the fire." The, <laughs> Murder. The Love It some um, song with the beach dream sequence yeah. was. I think that was the part of the movie for me where it started to pick up. Mm. Again, it was a it was a completely different uh, tonal palette <laughs> so work visually to distract and it was just yeah just those two bouncing say well, well I, I, I say i don't like the guy but the chemistry between those two are brilliant yeah i i think it really does come across and again you know they've both worked with with tim burton for yeah. years they they have or certainly had at that time like this really great performance yeah. the three of them work together tremendously well mm. and i think it does elevate this film even mm. though I, I, I'm not sure if Burton was the right director for it no it's yeah I, I, it, I think it's ultimately like a, pr- a pretty good film imagine Del Toro yes that would almost be too good <laughs> <laughs> I just had this vision and yep what would Del Toro's Sweeney Todd look like Amazing. oh my god and who would um, Doug Jones play <laughs> no my brain went to if, if I was going to go for Camp Horror Sam Raimi Mm. Yeah, actually, that's not a bad show. That would be that would be visually very interesting. He he'd be he could do that murder stuff very well. I mean, mm. just thinking of Evil Dead, so he knows how to do blood shots. Yeah, and he could get that level of cap in there mm. when necessary. But yeah, uh, Love it gets burnt up in the thing, and then uh, Sweeney himself gets his throat cut in a moment of mourning uh, by Toby. Who you know, fair enough, Toby. I was yeah. like, that's. That was a fair. That, that's a fair He's one. He's the one murder. We're like, yeah, we can accept this. Yeah. yeah. Well, I mean, I can accept Mrs. Lovett's. Uh, no, the judge, I think, is also, yeah. So we accept most of the murders yeah, in this okay. film. Yeah, actually, Timothy Spall was a bit of a dick. Yeah. We can... <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So um, it's just the wife, really, that now, we're sad about. Simon, you, you clued in that the, 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 the homeless yeah. woman who was on the street was, was the wife, was yeah. Lucy. Um, when, when did that click for you? The musical sequence when it's just this random because she does turn up earlier on in the film mm. and yeah, it's but, a throwaway character when she yeah. turns back i was just like okay there's a reason for this and then it's just like oh 
Mm. And then it's just like, oh, I bet there's going to... I think was my exact words. I bet it's going to be ironic when he murders her. And he murders her. And it's yeah. like, oh, yeah, this is going to be the reveal. And it's very tragic. Mm. Yeah. It, it is like the one genuine it, moment of tragedy in yeah. this film. Where it's like, oh, oh, I wish he didn't do that. That would have been better if you didn't murder that woman. Yeah. yeah could have, it could have been a completely different ending if he hadn't murdered her. But yeah. it needed to be there for the love it reveal. Which was, I thought was really great as well. Like, mm. I said she was poisoned. I didn't say she died. Yeah. Um, the murder montage. Uh, in When he builds the chair. And then we just see him hacking random dudes throats to death. The inventor of the recliner. Yeah. Um, that was a really great sequence. That was good. I just really wanted to throw that up there before we move on. Because uh, I tremendously enjoyed that sequence. <laughs> and I, I'd actually forgotten a large part of it. Um, and Simon, you've built dummies before. <laughs> Uh, but you've built them for plays, generally. Uh, um, yes, uh, one just recently starring a particular handsome gentleman. Oh, we, we, we won't go on. I don't know who you're talking about, Sarah. It was me, Sarah. I'm oh. handsome. I'm a handsome boy. Okay. Um, but there were a lot of dummy drops in this film. Yes. Um, how, 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 how was it for you, like, seeing all these uh, fake humans? That yeah. was so fun. And I'm just there going, oh, man. I, I think I said, I was like, oh, God, if I had to do the stage production for this, I don't know how many I'd have to build. I think it, I counted nine yeah. <laughs> in the end. So You could well, recycle them. Yeah. yeah, but it's more about swapping uh, dummy heads on the floor. Like some of them, their brains have got to explode. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Would, well, if you yeah. think about different productions, I know there was, a, I think it was a school in New Zealand where they accidentally cut someone's throat. <laughs> um, while doing this show Yikes uh, And funnily enough My school did this show A year before I got there uh, And I'm very upset That I missed out But oh. you know I'm glad no one's throat got cut uh, But yeah So you know Safety in uh, these sorts of shows Is quite important Yeah Step one Blunt The straight edge razor Use a, um, a squeezable chew For the blood And Don't It's mm. a thing to someone's neck I've just done a quick internet search. Uh, it's from 2017 uh, from abc.net.au. New Zealand school apologizes to students who had throats cut in Sweeney Todd production. The families of two students who had their throats slashed with a razor during a school production of Sweeney Todd have received an apology from the school a year after the near fatal incident. So it happened in 2016. Uh, St. Kentigern College was presenting a production of the musical about the Demon Barber of Fleet Street, but amusement turned to horror when two of the students had their throats sliced during a scene uh, because they were using a genuine straight razor oh. with, it, with its edge covered in no. tape. No, 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 no. I'm sorry, the prop master in me is just internally screaming at this point. Mm. No, you don't do that. You you blunt that. Some, if, you, if you're going to use real metal, blunt it. Mm. Preferably use plastic, use aluminium tape or something like that to give that sheen back. It, it, it doesn't have to sell as real. Mm. Oh, Safety yeah. The, yes. Yeah. The um the 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 two uh, students tape. survived, Ooh. but they did suffer major lacerations to their to their neck. Yeah. No. Is, yeah. Blunter. Use a file, and preferably don't use metal. No. And fake blood can look incredibly realistic. I was in a show many years ago that was all about fight choreography and we hadn't actually rehearsed with the fake blood Mm. uh and i saw in the corner of my eye someone's throat getting fake slit Mm. and the blood started spurting and in my head i started going this is real oh my god stop the show i just turned around to start yelling that when i realized no no it's fake it's okay because you can hide like a bit of tubing with a pump or something the actor can just squeeze it to spurt something out Mm. there's 
ways around it. Or yeah, you just have a squib or something in the blade itself and fill that with the blood and swap out the blade for another one. Just do mm. that. It just does. Mm, no, should, don't use metal. Yeah, it should be pointed out. Saint Catagans uh, did did obviously do big apologies and uh, and uh, I, I hope they paid out some money for that. I don't know. I can't see that here, but uh, they have since entered into an enforceable undertaking agreement, an alternative to civil or legal action with WorkSafe New Zealand. So, yes, I'm uh, squirming on their, that. Their 2017 production for students uh, went ahead the week previous uh, to this article coming out. It was a staging of Lamez. So we. <laughs> We can only assume nothing went wrong. There were not, no bullets in the guns. I would not be near, anywhere near any guillotine. It, was, that uh, yeah. it was just <laughs> empty chairs and empty tables, just to be safe. <laughs> would you guys like some trivia about Sweeney Todd? Please. Please. Okay, all of this trivia is sourced from IMDb, so if it's not true, don't blame me. And we begin with a little bit of trivia concerning... Stephen Sondheim, uh, who is indeed the reason we are uh, doing this review. Uh, Composer Stephen Sondheim, notoriously protective of his stage works, long resisted offers to film this story. When Tim Burton expressed interest, however, Sondheim relented uh, when pleased with Burton's vision for the project, and on the condition that the composer could maintain casting approval. Burton would only agree to direct with Johnny Depp in the lead, and although Sondheim feared Depp's vocals would be too, quote, rock-orientated, end quote, uh, the composer approved the actor after a vocal audition. To approve the casting of Helena Bonham Carter and to combat any rumours of nepotism because uh, Burton and Carter were in a relationship at the time, um, the actress sent Sondheim no less than 12 audition tapes of her singing. Uh, He was very impressed with the vocals and approved her for the film. Um, Also, in his 2010 book about his career as a songwriter, Finishing the Hat, Sondheim states that this is the only adaptation of one of his works for the screen for which he approves. Mm. Now, um, Sarah, would you like to expand a little bit further on that as as the Sondheim expert? Yeah, I mean, you know, it's quite nice that he actually approved of his work. Um, It's very rare to have his work filmed. Hmm. um, And quite a few of them have flopped. You know, I think a funny thing happened on the way to the forum was... Um, you know, a very early flop and they cut half the songs and they cut all the good songs. Um, so that was an, an issue. I'm trying to look behind me um, at what else has been filmed. Well, yeah, I mean, a little night music. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I, I, know, I know he only did the lyrics, but West Side Story... Yeah, West Side Story was, you know, obviously a big hit. You know, Gypsy was, was a, a big hit. But again, he was just the lyricist and I think he was thinking more in terms of music and lyrics. Mm. Um, because he had more creative control. You know, they were Stephen Sondheim shows rather than West Side Story with Stephen Sondheim. Right. Mm. It should also be pointed out that book came out before Into the Woods, the film. Yes, it did. So I I don't know. And it was two books. There you go. But also, if you think about it, it's a different... Writing for a theatre production as opposed to writing for a screen, it's a different thing, a different feel. There's different uh, storytelling paces and all type of things. So... You really need to have someone who's good at that kind of adaptation to trust them with mm. something like that. So I can imagine, yeah, like if you're very particular about your production, yeah, I can imagine he'd have to be very peculiar. Well, I'm thinking, you know, how would you adapt Company, which was the first proper concept musical? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, how do you adapt? Um, what are some of the other ones over here? You know, Passion, Follies would be interesting. I'd yeah. love to see Follies. Done. I haven't seen Follies done on stage. Um, I would be super curious to see how you do a party set in one night, but with all of these like different relationships 
and how they interact with one another. Mm, and so, yeah, the flashbacks. I mean, they're currently doing uh, a project, a very long project um, for uh, Merrily We Roll Along, for those of you who don't know. It's my favourite song time. Uh, and it goes backwards in time. So it starts out right at the end um, and it slowly de-ages everyone. And it's sort of looking... Mm. Um, at you know these people they, they you know, at the beginning of the show they're they're famous they're rich they technically have everything but they don't have anything because you know they've kind of lost lost all of their you know souls basically um and you you sort of slowly wind your way back to their younger years when the three main characters all meet and see their sort of their joy and their artistry and they're ready to take on the world and you know by the end exactly how they lose that mm. um it's really depressing and great mm. and they're actually doing i think it's over 25 years they're going to film it and they've already started with the younger sort of years oh, i've heard about this and they're slowly going to do it in you know yeah. in sequence in um to yeah to to actually have the same actors right play them at age appropriate uh, times. Yeah, I've, I've heard about that uh, project. It's uh, yeah, it's pretty insane. I wow. am so excited for it. Well, I look forward to reviewing it in about thirty years' time. <laughs> <laughs> it's uh, like the Seven Up series, but uh... <laughs> Tim Burton insisted that the film be bloody, as he felt stage versions of the play, which cut back on the bloodshed, robbed it of its power. For him, quote, everything is so internal with Sweeney that the blood is like his emotional release. It's more about catharsis than it is a literal thing. End quote. Hmm. I wasn't a big fan of how the blood looked in this film. When it was squirting, it was fine. But when it was stationary, it was a bit... Not tomato sauce. It was liquidy. It, it was... Well, it was well, like that, water yeah. with red. Well, that's why I said that the final act, the blood being more hammer-orientated, hammer was hmm. definitely a visual nod. Uh, but funny enough, the blood earlier on in the film, where it's just, just kind of splurted and spotted, it's just like... Looks a bit, it looked a bit too fake. Hmm. Again, I think it's one of the things of I liked when it went a little bit over the top. I think it suited the tonality a bit better. Yeah. In some of the scenes where Sweeney opens his razor very quickly, it is a mechanical razor. There was a button Johnny Depp would press to have the razor open, which he hides with his finger. Depp personally requested the prop department design this razor for him as he had difficulty handling the real razors and getting them to open so quickly. Yeah, they're not not easy things. Yeah, they're not they're not a switchblade. No. That's not what they're not designed to be used in many of the ways they were used in this film. Yeah, well, artistic license. Yeah. yeah. To prepare for the role of Aldolfo Pirelli, Sasha Baron Cohen hired his personal barber as a consultant on shaving techniques and took up to 16 <laughs> hours to learn how to handle a razor. That's so great. That was that moment where he's just like flouncing around and doing the sweeps and like, oh, face. so good yeah. and Depp's like yeah, I, w- I wonder if his barber is like that though it's, that was just how <laughs> Sacha Baron Cohen assumes all straight rave shaves go I don't know so this is actually a good thing to bring up um, two of the three participants in this podcast uh, do have hairy faces have yes. you ever actually had a straight uh, razor done before um, yes I have because I have once mm. and it was an amazing experience mm. oh yeah it's it's Tremendously good fun in a ever so slightly threatening kind of way. Yes. Uh, it's it's that initial. Mm. Oh well, this is a knife going to my throat now. Uh, mm. But yeah, what after the? I think after the first stroke, you either go, well, they've killed me, or no, yes. I feel good. And <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, it was very, it was very fun. Yeah, very fun. I, I had one in Malaysia, and it's like first time it happened. I wasn't even expecting it. It was just like, oh, you're going in for a shave? Oh, yeah, whatever. And my friend's going for a barber. It's like, hey, you want to? You want you want a shave? And I was just like. Yeah, just keep this part of the beard, and I just got you know an undercut and top, mm. and a little clean up, and I was just like, wow, that was 
the smoothest shave I've ever had. Yeah, I quite like the the straight razor blade when they tidy up the back of the head when when they're just oh. sorting out the the guillotine position, I guess when they're just sorting out the, the loose bits at the back. I always I always quite like that bit. Um, Didn't go that far. Maybe yeah. just because I feel like there's a spine in the way for them to <laughs> try and get. Personally, through. I can relate so much. To yeah. This. Well, you know, when you go to, and they, I presume they shave a lady's legs like that in certain shops. It's like a big old shave, madame. <laughs> Yeah, that's definitely what happens. It's not just me with my little razor going, here we go, yeah. by six monthly shave. Yes. No, it's, um, yeah, it is It is quite fun. And mm. you know what, Sarah, I'm sure if you asked, they, they would do it for you too. <laughs> yep, I, I look forward to it. <laughs> uh, when filming began, there was to be an inclusion of the spirits of Sweeney Todd's victims that would have mm. been played by uh, a couple of people, including Anthony Head mm. and Sir Christopher Lee. Oh, they were going to sing the ballad of Sweeney Todd. Yes, um, oh, that would have been so good. These you know, songs... Christopher Lee would complain that the blood wasn't right. Yes. It's not when you cut a man's throat. That's not how it that's, looks. That's not the sound they make. <laughs> These songs were recorded, but were eventually cut since Burton felt that the songs were too theatrical for the film. Uh, Lee's appearance was cut entirely from the film, which means oh, yeah. that it's somewhere there. Damn. It's, it's, it's Return of the King all over again. <laughs> now Peter. Uh, but uh, Anthony Head did have his un- uncredited one-line cameo, which we mm. all spotted. So, yeah. Well, uh, it was like, holy shit, it's Anthony Head. He's gone. Yeah. But yeah, Christopher Lee. Uh, uh, again, shocker, Tim Burton was going to use Christopher Lee in, in a film. Mm. I would love to hear his version of that song, though, because, again, my favourite song. And, you know, he has recorded, you know, He's got a good heavy set metal. of pipes. Yeah. Hmm. Okay, I'll have a, uh, I'll have a, we'll have a look online after we're done and see if we can find it. Uh, Anne Hathaway was almost cast as Joanna. Mm, okay. But Tim Burton wanted to go for a completely unknown actress in the role and settled on Jane Wisner, who still remains unknown to me, despite having seen her in this film. No idea. Uh, Hathaway ended up being in Burton's next film, uh, Alice in Wonderland. I was going, it's a little bit too Christina Ricci if like Christina Ricci was, well... As young as she was in Sleepy Hollow, kind of thing, you know. Yeah. It's just I think of like it felt like thing of like they cast for that. Anne Hathaway has a great voice. I've heard. She does, yeah. I mean, she's great in Les Mis. She's great. Probably, she's one of the best. Probably things the about best Les thing Les in that yeah. film, yeah. Um, yeah, I'm just looking up Jane Wisner just to see what she's done. Um, the Sweeney Todd remains like the, the most notable thing she's mm. done, uh, but she's also been in films including uh, Boogeyman Three, uh, well, classic. Uh, Life just <laughs> is. A Kiss for Jed. She was in a production of Jane Eyre. Uh, and something called Meow or Never. It's <laughs> uh, my favourite. I want to be in that. In which she plays somebody called Blip. <laughs> now, you can probably correct me on this, but I don't recall Sweeney Todd doing that well box office or critical reviews. Like, I don't want to say it was a flop, but I don't recall it being like well regarded back in the day. Yeah, I think it was. It probably was fine, but um, I don't. It wasn't one of those things where this was like the breakout box office I movie mean, for people. Most musicals aren't, though. No, yeah, they're not Mamma Mia. I mean, Mamma Mia is amazing, and you can take it from my cold dead hands. Um, you can you can keep it. I'm not an, I'm not an ABBA fan. <laughs> I mean, Sweeney Todd did okay budget wise. Uh, so it so it cost mm. fifty million American mm. to make and made back one hundred and fifty three million. Yeah, that's that's pretty, good. that's pretty good. But yeah, it wasn't spectacular no it wasn't um you know a, a world beaten massive no. successful film uh but it was yeah it was popular enough mm. people seem to like it 
And it did have at least one Broadway star in it. So, you know, happy about that. Mm. Who was the Broadway star? Laura Michelle Kelly. And who were she they? She played the bigger woman. Oh, okay. Yeah. There we go. And she's quite good live. Good to know. The pies, or rather, some of the pies, were actually edible. Uh, some... <laughs> no, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they were real cockroach pies. Mm. Uh, some of them were made of fibre, others were made of rubber. Um, mm. But the pies in the beginning of the film were edible, and according to Edward Sanders, who played Toby, even though they looked gross, they tasted okay. <laughs> <laughs> well, That's a great review. They do try and make things palatable for actors in these kind of situations. Mm. So. They looked gross. They, 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 yeah, they, yeah, they really look gross. Um, and I loved that. It was, yeah. <laughs> look, having had so. to eat um, people in pies on stage in the past, mm. uh, no matter what you do, it's it's going to be gross, no matter I mean, how delicious they are. I mean, you, you are also not a massive meat eater, so This is true. So, yeah, but the, 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 having the image that, oh, this is human being doesn't help. It As doesn't. someone who d- will eat a meat pie quite gladly... Yeah. Oh. I, I was a little bit put off by, by some of the things in this film. I probably won't have a meat pie for at least two hours. Uh, I, <laughs> I did threaten a meat pie anecdote. So a few years ago, I actually worked at a pie factory for one day. Mm-hmm. And uh, I didn't eat meat for about a month afterwards. Wow. Because I was just like, the smell and the idea. It took me a long time to eat meat and gravy again. Did you get taken down to a basement where <sighs> there were people being dropped on the floor? Three turns. Yeah, I had to battle my way out, you know, yeah. and uh, there was plenty... Leap through the flames. Yeah, mm. and I dive into the sewerage, and, you know, which is, you know, you know the biggest side of behind Another lame is moment. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> no, I... So, really, you have to watch lame is. I, 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 I'm not going to say which uh, particular franchise or business it was. That's but, okay. Um... But yeah, it was not a good experience for me. And it was it, just like, is it just because of the sheer amount of stuff, or was it the way it was no, being it was treated? Just, it was a bit of the way it was being treated. Um, right. Hygiene, as much as they, you know, you have to wear the gloves and hats and stuff like. That. Some of the other people were pretty. Um, what's the best way to word it? Flatulent. Mm. So you start to re- you start to associate those smells, and it'll just and just okay. room temperature meat pie. And yeah. It's like, okay. Yeah, and I've never been a big. I was never a big meat pie fan. Never have been since. I'll eat it occasionally, but yeah. I'm feeling better about my factory worker experience. Do you have factory worker experience? Uh, yes, I do. Fun fact about me: mm. uh, one of my very first jobs uh, was as a factory worker. It was for about a month uh, in a swimwear factory. Oh wow! Oh. Um, Did it smell bad? <laughs> Yeah, no, I don't. Smell better than the. F- I do not like uh, bathing bathers material or like oh. any like the smell of that material. Yeah, it's one of the reasons I don't swim. <laughs> I just don't like it. Wow. No, yeah. Fair okay. enough. I've worked factory jobs, and yeah, you you just get to associate certain things with that kind of work, and seeing how the pie is made, uh, pun intended. Isn't a good thing sometimes. Yeah, it's why I hate mechanics as well, because um, this was a time in my life when um, I was in um, an area in Williton um, where my mum's work was, um, and I had nothing to do as a 14-year-old, so I either worked at the factory next door uh, or I wandered the mechanics mm. around the block, and, yeah, I don't like either of those things. Wow. Never worked in a factory, so I'm afraid I can't add to this particular story. Um, <laughs> Elitist. Yeah, yeah, that's come on. <laughs> you're an, with you're, that accent, you're an actor, darling. I'm an actor. I have this accent. I have a PhD in science fiction theatre. Yeah, I have a certain degree of privilege. I'm aware of. No, technically speaking, you should be working a dead end job by now. I should. Yeah, yeah. Well, you know, you never know the future. What the future holds. <laughs> um, the tradition 
for the stage production of the musical has been to have um, whoever plays Toby or Tobias as a grown man who is mentally challenged, not an actual little boy, as is the case in the film. Okay. Uh, Ken Jennings, the actor who played the role in the original Broadway production, was 31 on the opening night. And Neil Patrick Harris was 27 during the 2000 uh, concert performances. Um, so, now I get the joke you were saying. Yeah, yeah, because yeah, yeah, N- Neil plays the ladies and gentlemen. Can yeah. I have your attention, please? He he does that. That's yeah. really good too. Mm. Mm. Um, but yeah, the, the decision to have it played by a child as opposed to um, an adult who is uh, mentally challenged. What what are your thoughts on that, Sarah? Much more appropriate. Yeah, uh, yeah. I I I have issues with old shows and any shows that you know portray um, disability, mental health. You know, it's it's usually pretty negative whether they intend it to be or not. Yeah, because we also get that shot in the asylum and it's the trope of, like, they're mentally ill and dangerous. So yeah. I'm, and I'm glad to hear that they've changed yeah. that. Mm. It's always an issue. A little the, bit too um, up mice and men. Mm. The original Broadway production starred Angela Lansbury. Oh, wow. And Len Carriou, uh, who opened at the Uris Theatre on February the 6th, 1979, it ran for 557 performances and won the 1979 Tony Awards for Best Musical Book and Score, hmm. um, which is, as I understand it, it's called a Sondheim hat trick in the musical <laughs> industry. <laughs> it's our finishing the hat trick. Yes. Is he one of those Very ones good. that's done like a, what's they call where it's the multiple... Uh... The EGOT? Yeah, something like that. I don't believe I don't think he's so. probably got like Oscar. I can't end. think of an Oscar that he would have won. Um, depends on what Oscars were won for West Side Story. Emmy, mm. Grammy, Grammy, Gra- Grammy, <laughs> Grammy. <laughs> we Grammar. know that he's got good grammar. Emmy, Grammy, Oscar, Toby. What's, what's the other one? I can never remember. But yeah, it's. Uh, mm. No, no, that's what you got. Yeah. Uh, I do not believe that he has won an EGOT as yet. Oh, um, I doubt he's got an Emmy. Yeah. yeah, because there's an article here from 2020 saying, It's time! Sondheim could achieve EGOT status with Take Me to the World. Yep. Um, yeah. Which was a 90th birthday uh, celebration of Sondheim stuff, uh, which had a lot of big names involved, uh, most of whom I don't recognise because they're musical theatre names, but I know who Lin-Manuel Miranda is. Yeah. <laughs> so, yes. And Mandy Patinkin as well. Uh, but yes, um, Sondheim has won seven Tonys, including a Lifetime Achievement, eight Grammys, and one Academy Award. Wow, there you go. Uh, but uh, did not have an Emmy, and I believe still doesn't have an Emmy. So, well, Considering um, American TV and musicals in the past... Well, he actually did spend some time um, in the television industry writing um, for... Um, they weren't soaps, what were they? They were like daytime television sort of uh... things. Um, like Days of Our Lives? Yeah, that, that kind of sort of thing. Well, like That's soap opera. Like um, it was it was I'm trying to remember the exact shows that they were. He, uh, it wasn't for very long, luckily. Hmm. Um mostly because, you know, we don't want to miss out on the genius that is his musical theatre career. Hmm. Um, I'm just more thinking when they've brought out something like Cop Rock or something like that, where they just tried to add a musical to <laughs> And you're speaking of Take Me to the World, that was in um a TV show, I believe. Hmm. But yeah, he's written music for, for films and for T V hmm. as well. Hmm. The film's conductor, Paul Gemignani, I keep wanting to say Giamatti, it's just uh, what happens with that name, but yeah, uh, was the musical director and conductor for the original Broadway production in hmm. 79. So, wow. nice touch to have them involved. Yeah. 
doing their work. Um, some countries, such as Japan, Australia, New Zealand, Norway, and Sweden, classified this film as 15+. plus. But most countries, including the UK, India, Singapore, South Korea, Israel, Russia, and Taiwan, classified the film as 18+, plus, making it Tim Burton's first film for adults only. In France, the film is 12+, plus, which I think yeah. just says everything. <laughs> yeah, it's one of those things where the gore is a factor, but it's really not that offensive violence-wise hmm. beyond that. Yeah, I mean, when I first watched it in what, 2007, I was a bit squicked by the gore, hmm. mostly because I'm sitting there going, oh, that's human remains in pies. I know yeah, I cannot bit, deal. Yeah, um, so that was more much. my imagination than mm. what was actually depicted on the screen. But I think of like movies like uh, Plug, Robocop, where it's just like guy literally exploding. There's gunshot rooms, there's literal violence. And they tend to be more the things that get higher ratings. But yeah, I think it's probably just the gore in this one is mm. the thing that's going to push it over the edge. To conclude with, we have some alternate casting options because Ooh. this film was uh, in and out of development, technically, sort of, for around about 25 years. Wow. In terms of when people were first like, hey, Steve, can we make a film? And he was like, nah. But there are a <laughs> number of different actors. Oh. Um, so we'll start with a couple of Mrs. Lovitz. Uh, and this is just whether or not you feel they could have done a pretty good job, not if you felt they were better than um, Helena Bonham Carter or not. Tony Collette. Interesting. Hmm. hmm. And I'm assuming the, all these people can sing. That's the other... Yeah, you'd, you'd hope so. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Kate Winslet. Okay, mm. yeah, I do see it, actually. Bernadette Peters. Yes. Obviously. I love Bernadette Peters. Everything she does. And the other one on this list is Nicole Kidman. Okay, mm. yeah. Yeah, I, it's very mm. different, but yes. You don't reckon, Simon? No, I'm just trying to pack, picture it. Could, you could see it now I'm thinking about it. Um, now, I'm, now, I'm mentally, mentally, now I'm mentally refreshing to Moulin Rouge. And it's just like, yeah, now I can see it. Yeah. Now, the list of potential Sweeney's is a lot longer uh, <laughs> and a lot more funny. Um, so some some of them that were linked at various times or another, Michael Douglas. <laughs> God. Okay. Harrison Ford. What? Oh, God. Harrison. Oh, God. That'd be the gr- even more grumpier Sweeney Todd. <laughs> is that possible? Uh, Harrison Ford is definitely possible. Mm. Uh, Dustin Hoffman. Oh no. Okay. That'd have been like utterly creepy. Um, Todd. Robert De Niro. <laughs> I can yeah, I can sort of see that, but it's just too happy. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Al Pacino. No. Uh, <laughs> no. I, I'm, I can just I can imagine it though, and I'm, I'm particularly. I don't want to imagine it though. No, but I'm really enjoying it though. <laughs> It's it's tremendous. What's the song he sings at the beginning? The oh the no uh, place like London. Yeah, I can imagine Al Pacino going like, um, "There's a hole in the world, <laughs> and the people are full of shit." No, Al, you have to sing it. What? <laughs> Just aggressively shouting the whole Actually, thing. Actually, speaking <laughs> of of the hole in the world full of shit, mm. um, I'm I'm quite glad that they at Sondheim was allowed to swear in this one. Because mm. uh, fun fact, when he was writing uh, West Side Story, uh, he wanted to basically be the first person to use a four letter word um, in the lyrics for Officer Krupke. Um, and he wanted to basically say F*** you mm. um, But he wasn't allowed Because it was the 50s yeah. um, So that's why they have the lyric Crop you instead So yay, let him swear Yeah, uh, A couple of others uh, Steve Martin <laughs> Oh god Well they would have had to do the inverse of Johnny Depp's hair With a silver thing with a black screen. Yeah, <laughs> It would have been much easier um, Tim Curry mm. 
Okay. That's just a given. I think he would like, have just been a bit too happy, though. Yeah. yeah. Please. Come and have a shave, sir. I think he could have done the dark stuff, but yeah, he would have been way too charismatic in those yeah. moments. And finally, uh, when Sam Mendes was uh, was attached to direct this film, um, the title role was uh, proposed to be given to Russell Crowe. Oh, God, no. It's funny because obviously he was not good in Les Mis, but also he wasn't terrible, mm. if you know what I mean. Like, he wasn't right for that show. Mm. It was the complete wrong tone and style of of music. Yeah. But thinking of his singing voice, it's mm. actually fine. But you'd have Sweeney Todd all deliver like this. Very dark. Well, I mean... And breathy. It's not far from what Johnny Depp did, which time. is just a lot of... I'm staying in this same note. <laughs> yeah. And I'm not going to sing this really low one because I'll bother about. Right. Oh, my face is incredibly still. I think he'd have been fine. Yeah, I think Russell Crowe can emote a bit better. Yeah. Uh, but he didn't because no. we got this version. Uh, so all that remains is for us to score the film. Simon, you get to go first. What score are you giving Sweeney Todd, the Demon Barber of Fleet Street, out of 10? I'm going to give it five piss bottles. So short, simple, to the point. I'm surprised it's as high as five. It's not bad. It's not bad enough to warrant any anger. It's just not good. I didn't enjoy myself, but at least the end. I appreciate a terrible movie that's got a good ending, mm. but I'm not going to make it any higher because of that. Okay, okay, that's fair. Uh, Sarah, what about yourself? Um, I did enjoy myself. Um, I thought it was quite fun and interesting, and yeah, a good send off to Sondheim. Uh, so I'm going to give it. Seven of Mrs. Lovett's meat pies. <laughs> Absolutely fair. Um, I will not be eating any of those. because <laughs> Especially not chasing it down with that Alexa. Yeah, I've already oh, had yeah. that experience on stage. Not again. Yeah. Uh, for me, I, I rather enjoyed it. I rather thought it was um, good fun. It, it does have its problems. Um, but... Just just watch the stage show. To be honest, would be would be my suggestion. I think it's, I think it is the better way of experiencing it. Even the the live recorded stage show things. I think you get more of a sense of what the music is supposed to be. Mm. But it's it's a fun, and by fun I mean you know very depressing. Um, <laughs> but but still kind of fun adaptation. It's a good cast. They they do a good job. It's um, certainly not longer than it is interesting. It's it is well paced. Um, <laughs> But I don't think it's outstanding in any way, shape, or form. Um, but but it might be right for you, is what I'm saying. I think there are certain people that will watch this and will absolutely love it. Uh, but I think for most people, it'll just be a, a fine, fun time. So uh, I'm going to give it six and a half accusations of gandering. <laughs> you gandered I just my love, I, I, I love the way Alan Rickman delivers most lines. And I particularly love, if you'll allow me to have a crack at the impression, just the... I saw you gandering. You gandered, sir. <laughs> he is uh, dearly missed. Uh, and every yes. time Alan Rickman pops up in a film, I'm I'm always a little sad, but always very happy that we get to, to see him just pausing way too long and, and having a great time with I it. I didn't even know he was in this, so yeah, mm. it was a good surprise. Yeah. Uh, but that brings us to the end of this episode. Um with, with the possible exception, Sarah, do you have any final remarks about Sondheim? Anything you wanted to to discuss before we conclude? Oh, there's there's too much to say uh, <laughs> about Sondheim because, you know, he, he was sort of, you know, one of the, the biggest and brightest names in musical theatre 
um, he completely changed the genre. Uh, many times over, in fact, um, you know, despite what the critics were saying about him in the 80s, which was quite unkind about how you couldn't hum any of his songs. Um, and that, you know, Rickman thank goodness did. that, uh, yeah. you know, his, his star seems to be falling. He got the last laugh, I think, uh, on those people. Mm. Um, yeah, he, he was a, quite a, um, an inspiration to a lot of my work. Um, you know, he is one of the greatest lyricists, um, you know, from my perspective as a lyricist, you know, that's quite important. Um, you know, the fact that over there we have several of his books um, about the lyrics and you don't see that very often. Usually if you see collected works of, of lyricists, it's literally just the words with no commentaries. Mm. And that's not very productive. Um, as someone studying it, you want to be able to read about what the lyricist was thinking and writing about and their terrible drafts. Uh, I love <laughs> reading and listening to terrible drafts of songs that turn out to be great because it makes me realize that if they can be that terrible, my terrible drafts sound that bad too. So maybe there's hope for me. <laughs> yeah, and I, I, th I think certainly Sondheim has, has left quite an impressive body of work, but also... Um, as you say, it was, was genre-defining, where if you were to ask people to name musical theatre composers, general people on the street, they would probably say him or Andrew Lloyd Webber. Mm. And I think they'd say him first, to be honest. Yeah, uh, and, you know, one of his greatest achievements was bringing the cryptic crossword to America. Mm. Oh, really? Yes. <laughs> I know he loved a puzzle. He loved a puzzle. Um, and he was really annoyed that the puzzles, the crosswords in the United States were super boring and easy. Mm. Um, so <laughs> he was doing the ones from um, the UK mm. and um, kept sort of writing into newspapers saying, can we do these puzzles? They're way better. Mm. Um, and yeah, they used to back, yeah, so as they were writing shows like West Side Story, he would sort of halt the writing for a day so they could do cryptic crosswords, which is oh, kind of funny. That is wonderful. Well, Vale, Stephen Sondheim, I hope uh, wherever you've ended up, there's a bloody hard crossword for you to try and, <laughs> try and solve. Uh, but that is all for this week. Um, so Simon and Sarah, thank you so much for joining me on this episode. Thank you. Thanks for having us. And for those of you listening at home, thank you for listening in. Um, guys, I don't want to get you excited now that we have finished morning Stephen Sondheim, because you only do it during the episode and that's it. Yeah. Uh, but Christmas is coming and uh, we have got a couple of Christmas films coming up to be reviewed and you can hear them in the coming weeks. Uh, how can I hear them? I hear you scream. Uh, by subscribing. Uh, iTunes, SoundCloud, Spotify, however you get your podcasts. If you've already subscribed, maybe find someone and get them to subscribe. That's always a fun thing to do. It'll help a lot. Uh, but yes, uh, it gets it gets a nice fresh episode full of human content to you each and every week <laughs> and is in no way um cannibalistic i was we, just going to ask is the pod delivered in pie form um i'm sure it could be maybe i wasn't already vegetarian <laughs> you could maybe listen to it on a raspberry pie <laughs> <laughs> uh we are also available um to be found online you can find us on facebook just search for the cinema catch-up club there and you'll get uh, news and updates and there is also our patreon with some extra special bonus content uh, maybe where Simon tells us the name of uh, the the <laughs> pie factory that he worked at. Um, oh, I can't. Oh, yeah, it was not them. Yes, uh, all of that information might be revealed if it's not too litigious <laughs> on the Patreon. Just go to patreon.com forward slash CCUC podcast for uh, juicy tidbits like that and other bonus content. But that is all for this week. So until next time, goodbye. <laughs> The Demon Barber of Fleet Street. 
You have been listening to a Thought Jar Productions podcast. For more information, please visit thoughtjarproductions.com.